You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. It's Monday, May 23rd. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Some relief is coming to families that have been grappling with a shortage of baby formula. President Biden authorized Operation Fly Formula, which delivered 78,000 pounds of formula from Germany to Indiana on Sunday. More shipments are expected soon. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News, joins us for what to know about this, Biden's trip to Asia, and a judge blocking the end of Title 42. Next, the number of Americans that quit their jobs during the pandemic spiked and it could be a permanent fixture on the job market. This has led to more opportunities for employees, but for employers, it's been a nightmare. They're dealing with high turnover and how to keep workers happy. Simply offering a work-from-home model doesn't work anymore. Aki Ito, senior correspondent at Business Insider, joins us for the forever resignation. Finally, the circus is coming back. Five years ago, Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus said it was closing due to sagging ticket sales and an outdated business model. Now, they have announced a return in 2023, but with one notable absence, the animals. The elephants and lions are gone, and the circus will take on a more narrative story based on human feats. Sarah Maslin Neer, reporter at the New York Times, joins us for more. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Uh, the shipment came from Zurich initially uh, as a result of uh, being delivered by Nestle Gerber to uh, the airplane in Germany that uh, was loaded, and eight and a half hours later, it arrived here in the U.S. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me. Well, we've been going through a baby formula shortage here in the country. The closure of the Abbott Nutrition Manufacturing Plant in Michigan in February is kind of really what caused the big old problem. Uh, you know, they closed it down due to safety regulations. They were investigating uh, some bacterial infections that might have been stemming from there. They're not 100% sure just yet. But Abbott is one of these companies that, one of three main companies that make all the baby formula for the United States. That particular plant, I think, makes like 25% of the baby formula for the country. So President Biden opera, uh, authorized Operation Fly Formula to bring in formula from Germany uh, we, that just arrived in Sunday in Indiana. So the president sort of hit with this political criticism 
for this shortage, which has been caused by the FDA trying to investigate the deaths of some babies. They still haven't been able to find where that bacteria entered, either the formula or some other place that these babies were infected. Uh, But as you said, just desperation. Uh, This is something I understand personally as a mom who fed their toddler formula and who will feed their new baby this summer formula as well. Um, It really has left moms in in a tough spot. And I think that we saw the president realizing in the last few weeks that this was really hitting people hard, that he needed to do something more. Um, And so they did. They mobilized these flights, bringing formula that had been made in Germany. They're also going to bring formula in from the Netherlands, made for the U.S. market. So this is stuff that's been made to American standards, and it should be hitting the shelves pretty soon. And we heard from the Abbott um, CEO who said they expect that shuttered plant to open in the next week, and they hope to have formula from it on the shelves uh, in the start of June, so or the end of June, that they should see um, more uh, formula on the shelves than they had in January when this all yeah. started. So lots of people hoping that this is the end of the saga, not not the middle. Right. We're getting 78,000 pounds. A lot of it is going to end up going to hospitals and doctor's offices and things like that. So the relief for a lot of parents is still yet to come, right? As you mentioned, that factory needs to get back up and running and it'll still take a little bit of time, but they are expecting more shipments of uh, this overseas baby formula. So at least we're starting to get there. But, you know, the concern is now and it's immediate for a lot of families. So we'll keep monitoring that. I wanted to talk about President Biden in uh, on his first trip to Asia as president. He was in South Korea. He's currently in Japan. And uh, one, just one interesting thing that kind of came out of it, they asked him if he had a message for Kim Jong-un of North Korea, and he just said, hello, period. <laughs> you know, it was just like very curt. You know, he said he's not concerned about any of the shenanigans uh, that they're trying to go through right now. There's concerns that they were going to test uh, nuclear missiles while he was out there. But he's just kind of very, very short with his answer to Kim Jong-un. Yes, and the contrast from his predecessor couldn't be greater. We can remember President Trump who sort of delighted in the fact that he opened communications with Kim Jong-un that went to the neutral zone uh, to meet him, that went to meet, hold these summits um, and really got nothing from them. You know, as you said, this was talking about testing missiles. Uh, We haven't seen any relaxing of sort of the tight hold that dictatorship holds on the country. Um, And and now President Biden uh, really returning to what was previously the American uh, foreign policy position on North Korea. Uh, that they need to stop doing a litany of things that are problematic before we can establish any kind of diplomatic ties. Uh, So that hello was uh, meant to be (laughs) curt and meant to be a contract. Right, exactly. Last thing I want to talk about was Title 42. This is the public health order that authorities uh, allows authorities to reject asylum seekers at the border. This was a public health order that had to do with coronavirus, with the pandemic. It was set to expire on Monday, but a federal judge stepped in and blocked the administration from doing this right now. Yeah, this has become quite the political fight in Washington. The president wants to allow this order from Trump to expire, to allow people who are seeking uh, refugee status to arrive at U.S. borders uh, and declare so and not be turned away immediately as they were being done before under this order. Uh, Republicans have said no, they think it should remain in place. It's about the only COVID restriction that they're still in favor of remaining in place. (laughs) Um, So that's it. Uh, But as you said, this judge ordered uh, that it was to remain in place. I think we're going to watch the saga play out over the coming weeks. 
Um, and there's a lot of concern among Democrats that the president is doing the wrong thing here, that they'll face um, renewed criticism at, from voters at the polls yeah. in November over their immigration stance. Yeah, I mean, it's tough on that side because, uh, one, they're worried about a, a huge influx of migrants coming in. I think they're even getting ready to ask Congress for more money just in case to to deal with uh, the influx there at the border. But like, like you were alluding to, right, a growing number of Democrats saying, hey, maybe this is not the right thing to do at this time. So President Biden caught in a big pickle there. Um, they're worried that a, a renewed influx of the border is going to have those voters who forgot about immigration that were sort of turned on by Trump. And now that he's gone, have not been thinking about it, reminded that they have a problem with immigration and that they're going to punish Democrats for it. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. People have been living to work for a very long time. And I think the pandemic brought that moment of reflection for everyone. Hmm. What do I want to do? What makes my heart sing? Joining us now is Aki Ito, Senior Correspondent at Business Insider. Thanks for joining us, Aki. Thanks for having me on. I wanted to talk about the state of work in the country right now. Obviously, Throughout the pandemic, we heard a lot about the great resignation, people leaving their jobs, looking for better working conditions, better pay. A lot of work from home is what people were really looking for. That figures a lot into what's going on right now. But what we're seeing right now is a new report saying that high levels of resignation could be a permanent fixture right now. The forever resignation, I think, is is what you called it. So for employers, it's a bad thing, right? They have to transition. They have to figure out how to operate here. For employees, they've never had more power than they do now. So it's a, a really interesting thing that's going on right now. So Aki, tell us a little bit about it. So, I mean, we've been seeing um, incredibly high attrition rates at companies across the country for at least a year now. People are calling this a great resignation and executives are just, you know, really tired of it. It's incredibly expensive to hire right now. They're trying so hard to retain their existing employees. It's exhausting. And so they're asking, when is this going to end? But what uh, one research from Gartner predicts is that it's never going to end, that a high turnover is just going to be a permanent thing in the American workplace because of remote work, which isn't going away even after the pandemic. Um, so it's a really interesting prospect, you know. We don't know if this is going to be true until the future comes, right. but I found the prediction incredibly compelling and they have some interesting data to back that they say that it's going to remain 20% higher than before the pandemic, the, the, the rate of resignations, let's say. And, you know, so for a large company, something with 25,000 employees, that means that 1,000 employees could be quitting each year. That's a lot of uh, training and retraining that you got to do, uh, you know, all the new hires and added benefits, everything. That's a lot that the companies would have to go through. And that's an additional 1,000 people quitting per year compared to before the pandemic. So yeah, it's it's just a tremendous amount of turnover. For companies, it means that they're probably going to have to, you know, hire more recruiters, right, to replace yeah. <laughs> just all of those openings. And, uh, you know, Gartner says that companies are probably going to have to run their organizations in a very different way as well. Leading up to probably today, there was this incredible emphasis on running hyper lean organizations, uh, making sure that everybody was working at 100 percent capacity. 
And you probably can't do that in the world we're entering into the future, just because that means that when you have high turnover, you know, entire teams are not going to be able to do their work or people are going to have to work overtime to make up for the person who left and they're going to burn out. That's not sustainable. So that means, you know, hiring more people across the board, across the entire organization, which once again is also an expensive thing. That's why a lot of employers do not want to, you know, believe that this uh, prediction is true. But I, once again, I find it really compelling. Kind of as we've been talking, right? One of the big things that they found was that a big chunk of people saying why they're leaving jobs, why they're looking for other things have to do with things specifically related to the pandemic. The work from home stuff was just so important to a lot of people. And for the employers, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to attract new people now, just saying, hey, you can work from home is not enough. You know, you need to go above and beyond that because a lot of companies are offering that. And the remote thing specifically is people saying, I wouldn't have, you know, in their exit surveys at the companies that they're quitting, they're saying, I wouldn't have taken this new job if I had to move for it. But because it's remote, I don't have to move for it. It essentially means that you have so many more options, right, with these remote jobs than uh, you ever had before, especially if you were in a smaller city, a small town. And because you have more options, that means that there are more options to leave to, uh, you know, permanently in the future. And and that's why Gartner is estimating that voluntary turnover is going to remain so high. And here's another catch-22 that uh, I saw in the article, too, is that according to Pew Research Center, when they talk to people, 65% of new remote workers say they feel less connected to coworkers. And this disconnection is one of those things that causes a lot of people to quit their jobs, a lot causes a lot of turnover in the workforce. So even more burden is placed on the employers to try to figure that out, to how to make everybody feel connected and part of a team. Because when you are, and I can attest to it, right, anecdotally, a lot of people can, Working from home over Zoom calls, it's just not the same. And it's a catch-22 because, you know, you have to, you know, in this new world of work, you pretty much have to offer the option of at least hybrid work in order to get people to even interview with you. But once you offer hybrid and remote work to get people through the door to even get them to come to your company, then retention gets a little bit harder because you don't have those in-person relationships the way that we used to back in the pre-pandemic world. You know, executives might be tempted to hear this and say, oh, this means that we should just call everybody back into the office. But that's not the solution at all, (laughs) because then you're just driving everybody away. That's going to make retention worse. The real trick here is to try to figure out how do you build these connections that we used to have in the workplace, even in a remote environment, you know, it's, it's really hard to do over Zoom, but it's not impossible. You know, right. some organizations have figured this out or are starting to figure it out. So I think that is going to be really one of the big challenges for every company over the next few years. Aki Ito, Senior Correspondent at Business Insider. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, 
offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Reimagining the greatest show on earth starts with our audience. It's a balancing act of sparking wonder, creating simple fun, and creating a production that celebrates the world's most thrilling acts and performances. Joining us now is Sarah Maslin-Near, staff reporter at the New York Times. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Well, let's talk about the circus. Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus is coming back. They uh, closed down, uh, you know, after some time saying, you know, sagging ticket sales. Things just weren't going their way. They ended a 146-year run of running the circus. But now they're saying they're coming back on September 28th, 2023. But one big thing that's going to be missing from all this are the animals. It seems like they're going more towards a kind of a Cirque du Soleil type model. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, it's an interesting question, right? Is a circus a circus without the elephants standing on their hind legs and the tigers and lions jumping through hoops? That has been synonymous with Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey actually since its inception. It uh, started as really a menagerie. And it uh, is losing that. It closed in 2017. They said it was really because their business model didn't work. They had a mile-long train that they transported everyone, including their crew and their trapeze equipment, across the country. And that was just cost prohibitive. But it was also in response to a growing distaste for animal acts. People just don't want to see it anymore. And I think a half dozen states have blocked them, actually. Yeah, I mean, one of the big things that happened was in 2009, PETA conducted a hidden camera investigation into the treatment of the the animals there from Ringling. And, you know, a lot of people did not like what they saw. I mean, so much so the Department of Agriculture ordered them to pay $270,000 as a penalty for violations that they had there. So really, from then on, it kind of started calling into questions the treatment of animals. And, and like you said, to your point, the public as well, it seemed like, really was falling out of favor with a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and there are other circuses that have done this, right? In Mexico, for example, they banned in 2015 wild animal acts, and circus is really popular there. I spoke to a young man whose family owns the Circo Ayade Hermanos in Mexico, and the circus really suffered when they had to give up their two elephants, Tommy and Safari, in 2015. But it rebounded, and it rebounded eventually, he told me, because they changed to real narrative storytelling. You know, the circus is a three-ring act extravaganza. It doesn't have story behind it. But when the Ayata Hermanos Circus changed to storytelling, then it got the crowd back. And that's actually what Ringling is planning on doing. It's going to be much more about the backstories of the performers. It's going to tell a tale. They're going to be speaking parts. 
in the circuit. So they're trying something new. For Ringling Brothers, they've always said we've been an ongoing evolution, right? You know, people point to the classic freak shows and things like that. Those have largely been phased out. And so they just say that this is another step in their evolution. Yeah, and their new evolution is going to include some really interesting, even maybe strange things. Like they want the circus to be a 365-day-year experience is what their executives told me. What that means exactly, they were a little less forthcoming. But you should anticipate circus-branded products on shelves like toiletries and dish soap. They, they wouldn't exclude that. They might do theme park attractions and, and mall events. There might be a circus curriculum, a sort of a STEM curriculum for students branded with Ringling. They're trying to innovate and make circus more relevant and present in people's lives along with this revamp. So the Comeback Tour, as I mentioned, September 28th, 2023, they're going to do a tour of more than 50 cities. And to the point even of the the old model, right, they had this big train hauling all of this stuff. I mean, their performers now are going to come in and they're just going to either drive or fly to whatever city there is. They're going to stay in hotels. I'm sure it's probably much better for the performers in that respect as well. But this is another shift where they're, it, it just seems like they're going to save money on that logistically, just, just making those adjustments. Yeah, if they revamp their business model, they're going to save a ton, though. Some of the performers I spoke to said you lose a lot of circus culture, right? Those trains were places where families traveled along the road for generations. I spoke to a family, Brian Miser, who was the human cannonball for many, many years. And his daughter, Skylar, was really born on the road with them. Actually, she is likely to be the human cannonball in the new Ringling Brothers at age 18. But there is something missed, they say, in that change in culture. But there's also a lot less money spent. And again, you know, to the point of the change in culture, right, there are some that are uh, still detractors. Got some words from uh, the Loomis Brothers Circus, and they're saying they don't think it's going to work. People go to circuses because they expect animal performances. And I think they still have some animals and elephants in their uh, shows, in the Loomis Brothers shows. But they say they don't think the new thing will work for Ringling Brothers. That could be a little bit of competition speaking there, but, uh, you know, they're still trying to stick to the old ways. I was there on the last day of their performance in May of 2017, the final show. They had phased out elephants a couple years before based on pressure. They had retired their herd. And yet they were still selling plastic mugs shaped like elephants. You know, elephants and animals are part and parcel for many people's conception of what circus is. So it remains a question when they show up and they buy their ticket and they're under the big top and there's no Dumbo. Will they want to come back? Sarah Maslin-Near, staff reporter at The New York Times. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. 
This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.